God we serve. Wow. Boy, man, all day I've just felt his presence. I'm telling you, I just, it's one thing to go to the house of God. And it's another thing to go when he's in the house. And I'm glad we go to a place when he's in the house. Amen. Give him praise. Yes, give him praise. Amen. I want, you to, I want you to remain standing for just a moment. Take your Bible with me to Matthew chapter number 9. Matthew chapter number 9. And, and I, I want to I share just a little bit with you that really helped me. I'm going to ask you, you remember, remember I said, on one hand, we have perception. That's what it looks like to us. Does everybody understand that? Perception is what you, it seems to you. How many of y'all know perception and reality can be two different things? Okay? Perception is how you see it, but reality is what it really is. And, and I'm going to ask you to do something today that may be beyond your perception. Uh, I'm going to ask you to do something that you, that you may, it may seem impossible. It may seem impossible because you fought it and you've dealt with it for so long, you just, you just about given up. I want, to, I want to help you with something that you, it just might seem way beyond your grasp. I want everybody to lift, lift a hand up high as you can reach it. Come on, lift it up high as you can reach it. High as you can reach it. All right, lift it up a little more. Why didn't you do that the first time? You with me? See, you just did something you didn't think you could do. Some of y'all are going to leave here this morning, and you're going to realize... You've been living with guilt and shame and carrying a burden that you don't have to carry no more. I don't know how many people I've talked to said, Preacher, I know Jesus said he'd forgive me. I know he said he loves me. I know he said he'd wash it white as snow. But I just can't feel forgiven. Well, today, we're going to kick that myth right out the building. Church, say amen. amen. Let's look in Matthew chapter number 9, verse number 1. The Bible says, And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed, and Jesus, seeing their fate, said unto the sick of the palsy, Rise up and walk. Is that what it says? No. Did he say, son, your legs are healed. Jump up and go. Watch what he says. Son, be of good cheer. And if you take that be of good cheer, that one phrase, and look it up in your strongest concordance and find in the Greek terminology, it means take courage. In other words, he says, don't be afraid. Be of good courage. Thy sins be forgiven thee. The man came because he was crippled and he needed a physical healing. But Jesus went deeper, past where he thought he needed, and really dealt with a source of his fear. And that was the source of his sin. He said, son, thy sins be forgiven. See, this is the first time in the Gospels that Jesus deals with fear. 
We know he told the disciples in the boat, why are you afraid? But this is the first time he tells somebody, don't be afraid. Do not fear. Fear not. Take courage. And he connects courage with forgiveness. He connects courage with forgiveness. Now keep that in mind. Father, bless us, help us in Jesus' name. Anoint this service, please. Give me the ability to share truth with those that are here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. There's a good reason that Jesus connected forgiveness of sins in dealing with fear and taking courage. Because until you feel forgiven, you're not going to take courage. Until you deal with forgiveness and sin in your life, you're not going to ever fight or conquer fear in your life. Because all of fear stems from that one deal that we all have. Every human being has a natural response that, hey, God is ticked off at me. I'm afraid. From the time that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, listen, when they, they feared, they ran and they hid in the bushes. They were afraid of God. And I want you to see something today. I want you to see something today. There's a man, there's a man by the name of Noble Doss. Noble Doss, he was a, a father, a grandfather, happily married for six decades. He appeared on the cover of Life magazine with his University of Texas teammates. He intercepted 17 passes during his collegiate career a university record. He played uh, offense and defense. This is one of the most remarkable catches in the history of Texas Longhorn uh, football. And they, this is one that's recorded and everybody remembers, and it's one that they, it was so remarkable because it looks like he has his eyes closed making the catch. And everybody remembers this catch. Noble Dawson, he's, he's in, won two NFL titles with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's in the Texas High School Football Hall of Fame. He's also in the Longhorns Hall of Fame. And fan remembers these plays. The passes he caught and the games he won. Go to the next picture. But this is not what he remembers. See, the only thing Noble Doss remembers is in 1941, he dropped one pass in a game against Baylor University. And that, in his mind, he felt like cost them the national championship. He says, I think about it every day. This man, who had such a full life, was in the military, had a career, had family, grandchildren, so many things in life, so many accomplishments on the football field, so many accomplishments in high school and college and, and even in the pros. But he can't think of none of that. All he can think about is that one pass in 1941 that he dropped. Once talking to a Longhorn head coach, Doss told him about the bobbled ball, and it had been 50 years since the game. And while telling the story, he broke down in tears, remembering his failure. You say, Preacher, what, what, what is that all about? Because there's so many of you in here today that you can't move on in your life because you can't forget that thing that you did. 
You can't forget that issue in your life. You can't forget that area of mistake, that area of failure in your life. And even though God has forgiven you, even though God has redeemed you, even though God has cleansed you and washed your sin, why does snow you keep bringing up that situation in your life? Listen, people, I hear it all the time, counseling session after counseling session, I've discovered that people are sometimes unable to find the feeling of reconciliation with God. No matter how often they confess, and after doing all they can to make reparation for their sin, they feel still feel as if they cannot be forgiven. It may seem like their sins, things like divorce, abortion, adultery, even murder, are beyond God's forgiveness. They continue to carry the burden of guilt along with them every single day, weighed down by feeling a permanent distance in their relationship with the Lord. That, that ball they dropped. That situation in their life. Here's two questions I want to talk about today. Number one, can I truly be forgiven? Can I truly be forgiven? Number two, which is even more of a struggle with most Christians today, can I truly be able to feel forgiven? Number one's easy to answer. Number two's a little more difficult, but we're going to do it today. Can I truly be forgiven? And number two, can I feel forgiveness? Preacher, is it possible to feel forgiveness? I want to give you two points. I want to give you two points today, and I'm going to, I'm going to try to teach the first part because it's just a little more material than I would normally, I would normally preach. Usually I'm down on the floor and, and most stuff is coming from memory, but I can't do that because I don't want you to miss anything. I don't want you to miss anything in this part. And then let me preach the second point. Will y'all let me do that today? Help. I'm going to teach, and then we're going to preach a little bit, okay? Two points, just two points. Number one, I want you to see there are some barriers that we must overcome. If we're ever going to truly feel forgiven, if we're ever going to get over that feel or fear of disappointing God, that God is mad at me, that he's ticked off at me, and, and listen, I'm, I'm steadily always under the wrath of God. I'm ever going to do this. There's some barriers we've got to overcome. There's some, there's some ways of thinking that we've got to deal with, we've got to conquer. But then the second thing I want to share with you is there are some basics to observe. There are some basics to observe, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But number one, I want you to look at this. There, we all struggle with ways of thinking, and thinking will drive you crazy. How many of y'all know that right now? Wrong thinking will destroy you. Wrong thinking well, it will hinder everything you try to do for God. And here are, and, and, and what I did in this point here, I wrote down three statements, three statements that, that I have heard in the past, three statements that, that is prevalent in the lives of a lot of Christians. And this is what they say uh, when you say, look, you've been forgiven. God has washed your sin away. What do you think about this situation? This is what they say. The first barrier we must overcome is this. What I have done is too bad. I cannot be forgiven for this. What I have done, preacher, I know what you said, and I know what you say about liars and cheats and thieves and what, but, 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 but what I have done is too bad, I cannot be forgiven. That's a perception. That is not reality, that is a perception. 
I was talking, I was talking with a gentleman uh, in, in the church that I pastored in South Carolina. Uh, this gentleman came home one day and his wife and another man were in bed together. He went in and shot and killed both of them. Listen, in a moment of rage, in a moment of jealous rage, he went and shot and killed both of them, did prison time. And this man walks around every day of his life with his head drooped low, or did at that point, with his head drooped low. And, 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 and listen, everybody knew who he was. Everybody knows this gentleman. Everybody knew what happened. Everybody knows the whole deal. And I went and visited this man, and I sat in the living room across from him, and, 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 and I said, and first off, he did. First off, he wanted to tell me what had happened, he, to warn me, basically, about his situation so I wouldn't be caught up. But see, what he did not know, I already knew. I already knew, because you don't live in a small town and not know some of these things. Are y'all with me? In a small town, everybody knows everything, and I, I, I already knew. And he said, Preacher, because I, 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 he came and visited church with his daughter. And I went and visited him. He said, I know what you said about forgiveness, but you just don't know what I've done. I said, sir, I do know what you did. And I'm here to tell you this right now on the authority of God's word, not my opinion, not my theory, but according to God's word, you can be forgiven. God can take your sin and wash it away. You can be a changed man. And he just looked at me in total shock. Everything else he had heard in his life, that he was just he was going to hell no matter what anybody did or whatever he did, it doesn't matter. He'd done signed his death warrant. It was a done deal. And I told him, I said, Jesus loves you. He knows what you did, and he died to set you free and forgive you. You can be forgiven. But you know what he had in his mind? And he did. He bowed his head and trusted Christ, and God changed his life. But here's the deal. When we say, what I have done is too bad, I cannot be forgiven for this. Now this feels like a real righteous response. It's, it, it sounds like a spiritual thing to say. Because none of us want to downplay our sin. But this implies that Christ's death was not enough to pay for all sin. We are saying His atonement may cover the sins of the rest of the world, but not mine. We have made our particular sin out to be uniquely bad and Christ's payment to be inadequate. Truth is, our sin is no worse or better than the rest of humanity's. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I stand to tell you this. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. And nothing you have ever done is any worse than what anybody else has ever done. We all stand at Calvary on level ground. We are all in the same spot. Nobody's sin is any worse. And Jesus' blood is powerful enough to wash your sin away, wash my sin away. It is much more powerful than our sin and our failure where sin did abound grace did much more abound and there's nothing you could ever do that he cannot forgive there's nothing you could ever do that he cannot wash away I'm telling you there was a murderous there was a murderous animal called Saul who would go and the Bible said he wreaked havoc among the church and if you'll study the terminology, the Bible said he would mangle. He mangled the early church and the beginnings of what you know as Christianity. But he did it in ignorance and he went and he tried his best. He would have men and women arrested and killed and, and burnt at the stake because of his religion and his ignorance. But one day on the road, hallelujah, amen. 
On one day, God stopped him on his way to do his murderous act, and God changed his life forever, and he turned from Saul the murderer to Paul the missionary, and he started more churches in that day than anybody else ever did. He wrote scriptures in your Bible, and I'm telling you, Paul said this in his word, if God can save me, he can save anybody. He saved me to be an example to all men that God is powerful enough to forgive any sin. Give Him praise and glory. Give Him praise and glory. Don't think your sin is any worse than anybody else's. We're all sin. We're all guilty. We all come before God, and God's blood washes it all away. Doesn't matter what you did. By the way, God knew you was going to do it before you did it. And yet, the Bible says... God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Church, say amen. Let's just get that barrier out the way. Your perception is I've done been too bad. Reality is this, you can't be bad enough. I've done a lot of quotable stuff today, y'all. That was one of them right there. You think you've been too bad, but truth is you can't be bad enough to be out, to out bad his good. It's not good English, but it works, amen. You just can't. Why? Because he said where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Every time sin went up, grace went up. You can't hear how sin is grace. I don't care what you did. Church, say amen. Number two. Or B, the first barrier we got to overcome is what I've done is too bad. I cannot be forgiven for this. Is this true? No. Come on, say it like you mean it. Is this true? No. B, here's what you hear a lot. I must punish myself in order to feel forgiven. The worse I feel, maybe that will... Watch this. We have a natural desire to pay for our own sins. We understand that wrong actions deserve punishment. Our feelings of guilt and rejection become kind of a penance for our sin to win back God's favor. It's almost like if we can make ourselves feel bad, then that will kind of pay for it and God will understand and see how bad we feel and maybe He will love us again. Because see, if we, can assign, if we can assign guilt and we can find who's at fault, that's why anything ever, any, anytime anything happens, we want whose fault was it? Whose fault was it? So, so that if we assign, assign blame, then once we assign blame, then we can make that person pay and we feel like if we can make that person pay, then I'll feel better. And it don't work that way. God's economy don't work that way. The only, re the only way you're going to feel better if somebody offended you is you forgive them. But see, what we do, if I can make myself just feel bad. Let me, let me, let me put it this way. Spouses. Sometimes relationships go sour. Is that not true? It just does. One wrongs the other. One spouse wrongs the other spouse. And, and the one that's been wronged, they will try to put the other through hell on earth. Because in their mentality, if I can make them feel what I felt, if I can make them hurt like they hurt me, then I'll feel better about it. And it never works. 
So with that, with that said, since we've offended God, since we've offended God, we, we, we try to ration it in our mind that if I'll just live in this and just keep rehashing this memory and bringing it up over and over and over again and go through that hurt over and over and over again and realize then I'll maybe pay for that because God will see how much pain I'm going through. But here's the only problem. No matter how much pain you go through, it does not add to the atonement of Jesus Christ. Let me see if I can explain it this way. Me and Gabe go out to eat. Me and Gabe go out to eat. And, 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 and Gabe says, Rev, I got it. This is mine. Uh, 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 listen, no, no problem, no sweat. I've got your meal. We go to the cash register, and, 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 and we get our tickets, and he snatches my ticket, and he goes there, and he pays for everything. And here's what some of y'all do with your salvation and your sin. We'll stand there, and even though Gabe has paid every dime of that ticket, I'll stand there and say, man, can you please take some more? Can you please take some more? Please, I just, it'll, it'll just make me feel better if you'll take some of my money. And she says, honey, look, the, don't, the ticket's been paid. Everything has been taken care of. Everything that has been owed has been paid for. You can't give me no more money. But you know what you're doing? You're sitting at the cash register of life and you're trying to make yourself pay more and you can't pay more. Jesus has already paid it all. All the suffering, all the pain, everything that needed and was necessary to pay for your sin and to deal with it has already been done on the cross of Calvary. And at the end of the cross, he said, It is finished. Honey, it's finished. It's paid for. Let it go. Because all you're doing is paying for something that's already paid. Does that make sense? The third one is the biggie. The third barrier we've got to come across and deal with. The first one says, what I have done is too bad. I cannot be forgiven for this. Is that true? Say it with me. Is that true? No. B. I must punish myself in order, if I can just keep feeling bad about it, maybe God, uh, you know, in order to feel forgiven. I must punish myself in order to feel forgiven. Is that true? Absolutely not. Now here's the booger. Here's the biggie. I know that God has forgiven me, but I cannot forgive myself. I know that God has forgiven me, but I cannot forgive myself. Now again, this seems like a very righteous response. Because in our, in our logic and in our, our intellect, it seems so flippant to simply accept God's forgiveness and dismiss our sin. In our minds we say, it's just like that, huh? Just, just, just that simple? We may know that Christ's death is enough to pay for our sins, but that doesn't matter. You know why? Because we know how wrong we were. We know what we did. Too wrong to be left off, let off the hook so easily. But you know what? If we take, a, if we take a closer glimpse at this barrier, we realize that this response is not righteous. It's just the opposite. It's just the opposite. By saying that we cannot forgive ourselves, we elevate our judgment above the Lord's. We think that we know better than He does. He might be quick to forgive, but we're not so simple. Yet what right do we have to hang on to something that God has released? 
Do we think he doesn't know every sordid detail of every sin? Do you not understand? He knows every part about that failure. The many failures. He knows everything that you ever did. He knows everything that you're going to do. But yet he says, I forgive you. Now who do we think we are thinking we're smarter than he is and we know what's better for our life than he does? <laughs> Put on your seatbelt, it gets worse. If he's forgotten it, why would we think that it is more honorable to hold on to it? Now, I, I saw something, and I, and, and I studied it out, and, and, and this... In counseling, I, I just told people to do something that was impossible. I've told people before, because of their situation and what they were going to, I said, look, you're just going to have to learn to forgive yourself. Dr. Phil has said that before. And you know what? He's wrong too. Because see, I just asked you to do something that was impossible. So how do you know that? Nowhere in Scripture can you find anywhere where it says for you to forgive yourself. Nowhere. You know why? Because it's impossible. It's impossible. Let me just let me explain. When we try to forgive ourselves, we are attempting the impossible because forgiveness assumes an innocent party has been wronged. And it is the job of the person who has been wronged to forgive. The offending party is the one that receives forgiveness. Watch this. Brother Jalen, come up here a minute, real quick, real quick. All right, Brother Jalen is God. I am the sinner. In my life, in my life, I have offended God. My sin was disobedience, and I offended God. And see, now God's job is to forgive me. My job is to receive forgiveness. Now, when we turn that around and we, we say, well, we've got to forgive ourselves, we're taking the spotlight off of God, and He's the only one that can do the forgiving. It is not your job to do the forgiving. It is your job to do the receiving. It is His job to do the forgiving, and He done His job well. It is your job to believe it and rest in it. Get your eyes off of you and get it onto Him. And see, we're frustrated. We're driving ourselves crazy because we're trying to do the impossible. We're trying to do what we cannot do. Matter of fact, we're trying to do what's already been done. All right, let's all get in the building. Come on. Get in the building. Do it. Come on, Chris. Get in the building. Get in the building. Tab, get in the building. What's wrong with you people? That's right. I'm trying to be forgiven. I'm trying to be forgiven. You are. You're forgiven. You're in the building. You're trying so hard to get in the building. And God said a long time ago, it's finished. It's done. You're in the building. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. Why are you so excited? Because I can help some people now. I've learned something that I didn't know before. And I've been trying to tell people to forgive themselves. And I've been trying to give them something impossible to do. They can't. It's already been done. I've been telling people, get in the building. Hello, we're here, Rev. Wow. So what's the problem then? My conscience won't leave. No, no. No, no. See, we, we assign credit to our conscience that really belongs to Satan. How you know? Just hang tight right there. I might need you in a minute. Watch this. I feel a little God right here, y'all, so just... The moment I got saved, the Bible says that God gave me the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit now lives within me. And the only thing the Holy Spirit can agree with is what that book says. The Holy Spirit cannot say anything to me or about me that that book don't say. And I don't know about y'all, but I've read the book. And the book says, I'm redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. The book says, I've been forgiven. The book says that though my sin be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. I have read the book, and it said that I love you with an everlasting love, and I have saved you. I have died for you. I have redeemed you. That's not the good part. That's not the good part. It's cool. But this is what's going to really help you today. If something creeps up on your shoulder, you say, mm-hmm. Remember that motel room? Remember that facility? Remember that night in that bar when you lost your temper? You remember? See, I have found out that's not your conscience doing that. It's that lying, sorry, stinking devil. It ain't your conscience. See, this is my second go-around, y'all. I'm about to bust. I'm going to call another preacher and say, can I come to your church tonight and help you with something? <laughs> this is going to help some people. See, the whole time we thought it was we're fighting ourselves. We're fighting our conscience. We're fighting our memories. I just need to forgive myself. No, you don't. You're forgiven. 
It's not you you're fighting. It's Satan's lie. All right. That's the teaching part. Can I preach just a minute? How, what are we going to do then? What a, what a, what a eye-opening thing. Brother Jonathan, isn't this eye-opening? What an eye-opening. All right, so what do we do? What practical steps can we take? Well, all you that are dealing with this, if you, if, if you struggle with this fact of being fully forgiven and, and feeling forgiven, I want you to raise your hand. You may tell you who's dealing with this? Those that raised their hands and those that didn't. We're all in the same boat. Sometimes, Brother Chris, I think, I'm supposed to be a preacher. How'd I get that stupid? And I think, man, I don't even feel like a preacher, much less a Christian. So I struggle, everybody struggles. This is what we can do. If we know all this garbage is coming from lies, what's the only weapon against a lie? Right on. So I want to give you three truths quickly. I'm starving to death. Amen. <laughs> quickly. I envision a steak burrito in my future. I really do. There's three things you need to get and never forget. And let me tell you something. You're feeling jacked up right now. You're feeling excited. And you feel like, I, I, I'm, I'm learning something. I've just had a breakthrough in my life. I'm seeing. But here's what's going to happen. When you leave this auditorium in this atmosphere, this is a, a spirit field atmosphere you're in right now. And, and you know what? Right now, I could fly over hell on a rotten corn stalk and spit the devil right in the eye right now. I feel that encouraged. But see, Tuesday, when I'm by myself, and nobody's around to say amen, and the devil slips into my truck. And he said, boy, you're low down. You're all up in the church telling somebody they're forgiven. I know what you've done. And he's going to do it. And I'm just telling you, he's going to do it. He's going to come against you this week. But there's going to be one difference. I've been watching Clint Eastwood all week. <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly. For a few dollars more. For some reason right now I'm hearing a theme. I'm ready. I thought about getting a beef jerky for a cigar. You got to admit, Clint's the man. Say amen right there. 
Let's fight Satan this week, but let's be armed with these three things. I want you to memorize them. I'm not good at memorizing. Put it on tape. Put it on an index card and keep it in your pocket. If you can't memorize it, I want you to tape it to your chest. Because he's going to come, and when he comes, and he tries to remind you of something, I want you to snatch that card out, and, and this is what I want you to tell him. Devil, when he tells you your sin was worse than somebody else's, when he tells you you're no good, you're sorry, you're rotten, because, you know, I know what you did, I want you to tell him this. Devil, sin is universal. Devil, sin is universal. According to the Word of God, devil, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Devil, the Bible says, there is none righteous, no, not one. You can come to me with that garbage if you want to. You can tell me I'm worse than everybody else down there at the church. You can tell me I'm the lowest down sinner there ever, ever was. But I'm just telling you, devil, according to the Bible, we're all on level ground. We're all on level ground. Everybody comes to Jesus the same way and the same... Say amen right there. My sin is no worse. It is no better. It is no different than anybody else. Devil, take that and smoke it. Say amen. Sin is universal. Devil, there's something else you need to know this morning. Number two, or B, I want you to see this. Salvation is unmerited. Salvation is unmerited. You say, why is that important? Because you need to understand this. The Bible says, for by grace. You know why I, I teared up every time they sing that grace song? Because grace is so powerful. Grace is all about God and none about us. We couldn't do nothing... Hallelujah. We couldn't do nothing to get it. Are y'all with me? For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourself, not of yourself, nothing you could do to do it, nothing you could do to earn it, nothing you could do to gain it. It was a free gift of God, not of yourself, but it's a gift of God lest any man should boast. You couldn't be good enough to get it. But watch this. You can't be bad enough to not get it. Your bad will never outweigh his good. The Bible says where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. No matter how bad you were, no matter where you've been and how long you've been there, it could never outweigh the good of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Give Him praise and glory. Let's think about this song. The drunk on the street. The rich in the palaces. Help me. Does anybody remember that song? Come on, tell me those words. God saves old sinners. Whether you're in the palace, whether you're puking in the gutter, you come to God the same way. Glad you're in, Junior. Amen. It's my coon hunting buddy. Me and him lived different lives. I grew up a preacher's son and could quote more scripture in the third grade than I can remember now. I can't remember my name now. But you know what? We had to go. 
We had to go to the same cross, the same Savior, the same way. Some of these people run around saying they're Christians. If they was to go out in the rain, they'd drown. Their nose are so far up in the hair. I don't, don't, listen, don't stick your nose up at me. You're a sinner like me. Bless God. Hallelujah. Amen. Take that. I said it and I'll sign it. Amen. I'm not on the clock this morning. Hallelujah. You're in the second service. Can I just share something with you in just a minute? Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, he was a cripple. It's an Old Testament story of a crippled who came to the king's palace, which is a story of the king, our Savior, bringing an old broke-down sinner, that's us, to him and sitting at his table. So what's the deal about that? When he sat there around the table with all the rest of the king's sons, he looked like everybody else. You couldn't tell the difference. You know why? When you're at the king's table, you're all the same. I had a lady, had a lady, first time attender, right in the, in the fellowship area. In the fellowship area, she said this, just a while ago, in, in, in the first service, she said, I'm just a little embarrassed, but I'm in recovery. I'm in rehab. I said, well, hot dog, you're in good company. Half our church is in rehab. Matter of fact, we're all rehabbing. We're all broke down sinners who found a Savior who would give us what we need and save us and love us. We're all going through rehab. Look around. You can't tell. We may have prostitutes in our midst, drunkards in our midst, Drug addicts in our midst, whoremongers in our midst, adulterers in our midst. No doubt about it. Thieves, liars. Listen, don't drop your head when I said one in case you happen to be on one of them because we're all the same, guys. Just lift your head up. <laughs> Because when God looks down, He can't see nothing but saints. The devil looks at your past. But God looks at what He's done for you. I got an illustration. See, they didn't get this one in the first one. It's how this works. This is how this works. I want you to see this. Man screwed up in the garden. Adam and Eve messed up bad. So sin came upon him. And all the judgment of sin, all the guilt and the shame. And because of that, it was transferred from Adam to mankind. And the word is, the, the technical term is imputed. God put it on him, then because of his sin, Adam put it on all of mankind. 
Then Jesus Christ came sinless, perfect, awesome, the man. And at the cross of Calvary, God took all of the sin that was put on Adam and Adam put on mankind. He took all of the sin in mankind and put it all on Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And at Calvary, he paid for it. So now, he can give us his righteousness. So it's not my good deeds that got it. He imputed it on me. He gave it to me. Say amen. I got one more. What basics do we need to memorize? Now, I'm telling you, people, you need to memorize this. Write this down, get a copy of it, whatever, because I'm telling you, how many of y'all know Satan's coming this week to tell you I'm lying? Let's, let's... Sin is universal. Sa Ain't we having fun today? Isn't this cool? This is great. I'm having a big time. Salve Some of y'all need to smile. You you're okay. It's all right. Salvation is unmerited. See? I like this one. The scripture is unmistakable. It's not even gray in this area. It's black and white. I know there's a lot of gray areas in the Bible. I, there ain't no question about it. There's some things I believe because I understand it, and there's other things I believe by faith, and I'll get it when I get there. I understand that. I don't have to, I don't have to understand everything about the Bible to believe it. I just don't. And you say, well, I, you ought not to be that way. How many of y'all understand every facet of why you turn that light switch over there on and, and these things light up? I'm not sitting in the dark. I don't understand what all happens in that big box outside that makes cold air come in here. I don't understand all of that, but I'm going to turn that switch on, and I'm going to be sitting in the cool. I need a witness right there. Now, there's not a whole lot that, that, that you know, there's some gray areas in the Bible, but what we're dealing with today is black and white. What is that? The Bible says this in 1 John. 1 John chapter number 1, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is black and white. I don't care what it is that you did. I don't care how long ago it was or how it might have happened last night. I'm telling you this, if you will bring it to God, if you will bring it with a broken, repentant spirit and say, God, I am sorry for offending your holy nature. If you will forgive me of my sin, bless God, the Bible is unmistakable when it says he'll wash it white as snow. And I don't care what your neighbor says. I don't care what your mama says. I don't care what your grandpappy says. I don't care what your best friend at the beauty parlor says. Bible says you are forgiven. I don't care what the devil says. The Bible's unmistakable. I like this one too. I like this one too. The Bible says, oh, oh, I need that other verse. Did, did anybody remember that verse? Can you, you got that? If you, if you hold that, hold that tight right there, all right? Is that the one Brother Travis read for me? Keep, keep that, keep, mm-hmm, right here. Let me give you one. Romans 8, 1. Romans 8, 1. Uh, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. You get that? There is therefore now, come on, y'all, there's more people here than that. There is therefore now, no, none, zero, nada, 
Zilch. None whatsoever. God don't hold anything against you. You know why? Because he held it all against his son and he paid for it. Now there's nothing to hold against you. Sure say amen. You're trying to pay a debt's already paid. And the Bible is unmistakable. Where, where's that? Did y'all put that on the board? Did y'all get that one? You, tell me. 1 John 3.20. Let me, let me turn over there real quickly. Let me turn over so I can say it from this mic so everybody can hear me. Watch this right here. This is so good. Have mercy. This is, this is good as Briar's Vanilla. Hallelujah. All right. Watch this here. For if our heart condemn us, that's that old flesh we, we fight with. If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Let me put it this way. I need a big fella. Jonathan, you pretty good-sized fella. Come on up here. Come on up here. All right, Hunter, come up here a minute. Let me borrow you just for a second. All right. All right, stand over here, Hunter. Now, John is a pretty good-sized fella. Hey, I like people that like me. Hallelujah. Big people. All right, see, what we try to do, we, we, try, to, we try to live our lives and do the Christian thing and pray. And do, how many of y'all know every time you pray is when sometimes the devil will bring that crap up? Everything that you just can't even imagine, he'll just bring, nah, 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 nah. You do that, don't you? Why do you do that? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. Everything we do, we get down, we get down, and we pray, and there you are whispering in our ear. And you know, sometimes you're kind of hard to deal with. How many of y'all know that? All right. Did the devil ever do that to you when you try to pray? He does, don't he? All right. You represent him in the flesh, the weakness we have. You got that? All right. You represent God. You represent God. You with me? The Bible says when we can't conquer him ourselves. God, who is greater than our... So here's what we do. We try, and we can't... You just keep irritating, irritating. We just need to back up. Deal with him. <laughs> all right, all right. Smile, it's all right. Breathe. Get color back in your face, huh? Here's the deal, guys. Quit trying to do something you can't do. Quit trying to do something that's already done. Some of y'all feel like I feel right now. I've been working out this week. Can y'all tell? I woke up this morning and I felt like Armageddon took place in my body. I hurt so bad. And I'm so tired right now, I'm telling you, I just, it's just, it's a wonder what I would say or do. You see, that's where some of y'all are right now. Because you're so tired, because you fought so long, fighting a battle, it's already won. 
Say, what do I do? Don't quit trying to get in the building. Just rest in the fact that you are. Rest in the fact that you are. You don't have to try to forgive yourself. You're already forgiven. God wants you to believe it. Well, what happens when all those thoughts come back? Refuse them. Every funeral I do, every one, I tell people your brain is like a computer. You have the ability to bring things up. You can hit a button and those memories come up. But the difference between a computer and your brain, computer never forgets anything. Once it's there, it's there. How many of y'all know that? But see, your brain's different. You've got to keep continuously bringing it up for that memory to stay strong. Here's a revelation, y'all. If that memory is really strong, that means you've been bringing it up. I tell people at funerals, listen, everybody, every one of our loved ones has a positive point and a negative point. We have positive things about our life and negative things about our life. I say, what you do when you, when you lose a loved one, this is what I want you to do, constantly bring up those positive things. Constantly talk about those things that make you laugh, those things that make you smile, those things that you remember, those great, wonderful memories. Just keep bringing them up over. And the more you bring them up, the stronger they get. I said, but those bad times and those missed words and those things that were accidents and those things that were failure, just, just don't bring them up. Because the less and less you bring them up, the weaker and weaker and weaker they get. So here's what I want you to keep bringing up over and over again. Sin is universal. Salvation is unmerited. Scripture is unmistakable. Just keep doing it over and over. And the more you do, the weaker that failure will get. And the stronger the love of Christ will be in your heart. Church, say amen. amen. Father, in Jesus' name, this is one of the hardest topics I've ever dealt with in my life. Jesus, please forgive me of anything that I forgot to say or anything I, should, I did that I shouldn't have. Please touch everyone here. Don't let them miss this. Don't let them miss this. Father, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, they'll never conquer fear in their life because they need to be on the right side of you. And Lord, when they receive you as their Savior, they're in the family and the debt will be cleared. Father, I pray for that one to hear right now. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Please, if you're here today, no one looking around, every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You say, preacher, I'm not 100% sure if I was to die right now that I'd go to heaven. I'm not sure that I've experienced that forgiveness that you're talking about. Preacher, would you pray for me? I just, I'm just not sure that I'm saved. I'm not sure that I've ever been forgiven. Would you just slip your hand up right where you are?
and I'm going to pray for you. Just slip it up and you can put it right back down. Anybody. I see that hand in the back. I see that hand in the very back. I see that hand in the middle. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Just say, preacher, I'm just not sure. I see that hand in the back. Father, Lord, they are in the same place that I was at one day. They are in the same situation that I was in. God, I pray right now that you'll speak to their heart. Let them know that no matter what their past is, that you love them with an unconditional love. And you will forgive them right now. You will take their sin and wash it completely away. All they got to do is come. Father, let them know we have workers down at this altar, ladies for ladies and gentlemen for gentlemen. And they'd be glad to take a Bible and show them how to be saved. They would be glad to take a Bible and show them how, right now how they can know for sure they were to die right now, they'd go to heaven. Lord, I'm giving them this invitation. This is the invitation. I'm inviting them to come right now. Let us take a Bible and sit on that front row and show them how to be saved. Now, as every head's bowed and every eye closed, we've got some come already. Is God speaking to your heart right now? Are you ready to kick fear out of your life? Are you ready to deal with fear forevermore? Come on. That's it. Come on. God bless you, brother. Come on. We've got some coming. Do you need to come? Is God dealing with your heart? Come on. Come on right now while God's moving. I feel the Holy Spirit in this place. I feel the Holy Spirit. Would you come? Is God speaking to your heart about salvation? Don't, don't, think, another, don't think another minute. Don't waste your time. Listen, get down here. Don't let another day go by without you knowing for sure that if you were to die right now, you'd go to heaven. I wonder if you're in the building right now and you say, Preacher, I'm saved, but boy, I sure struggle with this topic. This has been one of them things that's been a bother to me. Preacher, I need to feel forgiven. I need to feel forgiven. Preacher, would you help pray for me? How many of y'all say, Preacher, I, I, I struggle with this topic today. Would you, would you help and pray for me on this subject? Raise it real high. Show God you're serious. Then let's do this. Let's do this. Let's all find a place at this altar that we can. Let's come around this altar and just ask God. And, and let, let's let it go. This is symbolic of the altar in the Old Testament. Let's come and put that burden. Let's put that failure. Let's put that drop past down here at this steps. And say, God, you take it away from me. You remove that thought, that memory from my, my memory banks. God, come on. I know other people are struggling with this. Come on, let's pray for them. You got something you need to give to God? Come on, find a place in this altar. And let's ask God to help. Would you come? Would you come? Father, in Jesus' name, move in an awesome way today. Lord, move on those that need to be encouraged. Lord, let them understand they're forgiven. Let them please refuse to listen to the devil. Refuse to listen to his lies. Lord, refuse to listen when he brings up stuff that you've already dealt with and taken care of. Father, I pray that you'll be with those down at this altar that's receiving you as their Savior, trusting you as their Lord and Savior. God, have your will and way right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Let's all stand. Take all the time you need to pray as we sing. This is a great song. Please forgive me. Oh God, please forgive me. I need your grace. I need your grace to make it through. Lord, all I got left is your mercy. All I've got left is you, Lord. 
You need to come. Is God dealing with you this morning? I promise you, He loves you. He loves you. He'll forgive you right now. Right now, He'll take it and wash it away. Have your mercy. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Lord, I need your grace to make it through. Lord, all I have is you. I'm at your mercy. And Lord, I will serve you. Come on, church, sing. Until my dying day. Help others find a way. At your mercy. Please forgive me. My sleep is gone. My heart is full of sorrow. I can't believe how much I've let you down. And I dread the pain. Hey, if God's dealing with you, me tomorrow. When the sun reveals all my broken dreams. Scattered on the ground, Sing it so with me. please forgive me. I need your grace to make it through. Lord, all I have is you. I'm at your mercy, and Lord, I will serve you until my dying day. Help others find a way at your mercy. And please forgive me. Father, in Jesus' name, please. Father, supernaturally right now, help everybody in this room to not only receive it, but to 